talk us through what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. There's been more missile strikes today, haven't there? Yes, uh, more missile strikes today. I mean, President Putin has made it clear that this is revenge for the what happened at the Kirsch Strait Bridge uh, on Saturday. And yesterday there were 80-odd missile attacks, and now we know about 24 drone attacks as well, so over 100, about 108 attacks yesterday, another dozen or so today, and it will presumably go on. Um, the Ukrainians are reasonably successful in shooting down some of these things or inter intercepting them. They seem to have intercepted about half of all of those things launched against them. But those attacks have come from uh, in the, at the sea, calibre missiles, uh, cruise missiles have been fired over Moldova, over Moldovan airspace. The Moldovans are furious about it. Um, drones that have been launched from Belarus uh, that have attacked different areas, attacks on Viv uh, this morning. Uh, and on Zaporizhia as well. So this is a new phase of the... It's not, it's not that new, we saw it in June, but it's a new phase of this part of the war that as the Russians are doing not very well um, on the battlefront itself, the, the war is now coming back to the cities and the civilian population of Ukraine. Mm. Uh, and in terms of the West's response, how would you gauge that? Well, the West has condemned it, um, and in a way this serves to increase the condemnation in the West. It increases the consensus in Western powers that they've got to bring more pressure to bear uh, on Putin and China and India to stop backing Putin. More practically, um, Western powers have said, OK, we will give you more anti-aircraft uh, weapons. The United States... Like yeah, these sorts of things. They're all, all similar sorts of things. The United States have got the NASMs, which is a, a Norwegian-American uh, type, which is a, a surface-to-air missile. Um, Britain gives them Star Streak, which is very good. Importantly, uh, Germany has this Iris-T system, which it agreed to give um, a couple of months ago, and it's been held up in the Chancellor's office. He wouldn't sign it off. Uh, this week, he said, you'll have it within a few days. And so there's this sense of rushing some anti-aircraft systems now, these very sophisticated ones that can pick out pretty well anything, missiles, drones, aircraft. Um, give them to the Ukrainians. They clearly can use them pretty well. And so this is a new phase of the war before the winter that seems now to be opening up. Uh, and what about Belarus? Uh, I suppose we should go back to our map. The, the, the talk there, Belarus, of course, to the north of, of Ukraine... Uh, yeah. Talk of them banding together with Russia. We've, they've already given a lot of support, haven't they? Yes, they have. So, I mean, from the very beginning of the war, President Lukashenko has uh, has now said that, that there will be a joint Belarusian-Russian force on the border. They'll start to exercise. Um, the force is not great. The Russians haven't got many forces to offer that, because most of them are involved already there. Uh, the Belarusian armed forces are pretty small. Um, in theory, they've got about 50,000. In reality, they could put about 15,000 troops into the field after a while. If you had to say how many could you put into the field this weekend, it'd probably be five or 6,000 maximum with not very good equipment. It's a very long border, and so in principle, if there were an invasion of a joint Belarusian-Russian force, it could be quite close to, uh, to Kiev. More likely, any invasion will be somewhere in the West um, where it's, there's, there's less to run into, one could actually, you know, make some mischief in the West. But to punch through the, the border and set up a new frontier would require more than Belarus and Russia can put together in the short term. But they're tempted to do it, or at least to threaten it, as a way of opening up a new front, give Kiev something else to worry about, and maybe something for which they've got to draw troops away. So far, the Ukrainians have just had a, a reserve force screening all of this, but they might have to do more. OK, Michael, thanks very much. That was the latest from Sky News today on the situation in Ukraine after a bridge going from Crimea to Russia was destroyed 
and Russia claimed it was Ukrainian-based terrorist, and so he decided to blow up utility infrastructure with missiles and also bridges. He also decided to blow up as well in retaliation. This is the Ukraine War Report, Season 2, Episode 2, The Nuclear Crisis for 2022. My name is Keith, bringing you the latest as we get it and bringing it to you as needed in our podcast, Season 2. How are you doing out there? So far, Russia has exercised restraint, and according to the news sources I've read, there is no indication that Russia is planning to use any tactical nuclear weapons or any other weapons of mass destruction. But they have decided to bomb Lviv and Kiev and other places in the country in retaliation to what they would call a terror strike from Ukraine on a key bridge going to and from uh, to Russia in, in Crimea area. And uh, nations are condemning it. The uh, G7, including the United States, are talking about the situation and their alliance, according to the news, in, in a unified front against Russia um, for their actions in this unprovoked war. Our podcast, Season 2, Episode 1, began with ominous words that were given off the cuff by President Biden last week on Thursday. And I'd like to share a little more in-depth article that I was introduced to from Sky News. Our first clip also came from Sky News. So let's go ahead and listen to it, um, which is pretty good about President Biden's remarks last week. The gravity of the president's language was sinking in even before he was off the ground in New York. By the time he'd arrived back in Washington with his press secretary at his side, he'd have been fully aware of the impact the off-the-cuff, off-camera remarks were having. He'd told an audience at a Democratic fundraiser, we have not faced the prospect of Armageddon since Kennedy and the Cuban Missile Crisis. He, Putin, is not joking when he talks about potential use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons because his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. And then the president said this, I don't think there's any such thing as the ability to easily use a tactical nuclear weapon and not end up with Armageddon. That last sentence seems to be particularly stark. In essence, what he's saying is that if Putin uses a nuclear weapon in Ukraine, the likely conclusion is Armageddon. Now, that might well be a threat, a warning to Putin. Know where this leads. Know what might happen. The danger, of course, is that it's a warning which ends up playing out. The Russian leader celebrated his birthday in Moscow with a small collection of loyalist leaders. But it was his comments a week ago which still ring loud. He said the United States is the only country in the world to have used nuclear weapons twice, destroying the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. He added, they set a precedent. 
this is this is serious. Both sides are fairly dug in on what the consequences will be in the event of escalation. What we don't know yet is what either side will be willing to accept short of complete annihilation of the other side. And that's the nub of it. Who blinks first? Back in 1962, at a minute to midnight Armageddon, Kennedy and Khrushchev found a way out. The Soviet missiles were removed from Cuba. The American ones left Turkey. The Cuban missile crisis was over. White House officials insist the president's remarks are not based on new information. Consistent messaging, they say or loose language. Either way, the backdrop now isn't a 1960s Cold War, but a real one in Europe, where calculations are hasty and miscalculations very possible. Mark Stone, Sky News in Washington. So, this is where we stand right now. We're still eyeball to eyeball with Russia, uncertain of what their next move is going to be. Again, there is no report indicating that they are going to a weapons of mass destruction but that could change at any time we encourage you to uh, check out our first episode which touches upon President Biden's remarks from Good Morning America and to listen to President Kennedy's 1962 speech to the United States and to the world during the Cuban Missile Crisis it is quite an eye-opening speech um, frightening then as well as in comparison to what President Biden has said in last Thursday. This concludes episode two of season two. We will be bringing you more podcasts on the war as they become necessary. And we ask that you continue to pray for our world, pray for peace over there, and restraint from President Putin if he can muster it. This wraps up season one, or sorry, season two, episode two. We wrap it up with CNN music. <laughs>